everyone, it's Bambi and welcome to this week in which I'm bringing you five special episodes of the podcast. Over the last few weeks, the focus of the episodes have been based around the theme of taking time to reflect on our experiences and remembering to express gratitude for all that we have been blessed with. What you will hear over the next five episodes are highlights of the amazing conversations with the fantastic people I was so honoured to have as my guests on the show this year. They all, in their very unique ways, helped me reflect and I am so thankful that I have had the opportunity to use this platform to inspire and encourage all of you who listen every week. So this week, the She Is A VIP podcast is dedicated with special thanks and season's greetings to my guests and listeners. May you all, no matter your level of physical sight, expand and extend your vision in 2022 and live more of a life that is not defined by your limitations. Merry Christmas. Jonia Miller may be a visually impaired artist, but she is definitely not lacking clarity of vision about her purpose. Jania talks about how important it is that those of us living with any form of blindness or visual impairment learn the power of being able to see without being able to see. It's like your mum said, you know, that you can do anything anyone else can mm-hmm. do. But it's, but it's really, you have to really kind of believe that. Yeah. And with, then you have a visual impairment on top of that and it, and it makes things that bit more difficult because you know that actually it's going to take you a little bit longer to do something like 45 minutes to thread a needle or you know yeah. it will take you a little bit more to to get to get there mm-hmm. but if you persevere that that you can um yeah yeah, yeah it's, 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 i'm sorry yeah no it's really interesting that your that your mom though was like you can do anything when you were younger and then when it was time to drive don't want you to drive and then people tell you well, you, you need to make sure that you have something else to fall back on just in case. And it's kind of like, yeah, it was really, it's a really interesting kind of journey that you've, that you've been on where people are building you up and they're not necessarily trying to bring you down, but trying to protect you from, yeah. from what yeah. they might be, you know, dangerous With, or, yeah. Yeah, because or, or for things that they can't see. Exactly. Right? Even it's it's funny. Like I had a, a saying on one of my I, I see without seeing, so it's kind mm-hmm. of like a I I one I even I see what my future is supposed to be. Even it's not a um like seeing it in front of you, but you you know what your future is supposed to. Be. You know what God is setting up for you. Other people can't see that. Yeah. So it's like, I see it. You might not be, but I see without seeing. So, and, and, and it's also a play, like, I, I walk this fine line of being one on one side, I have no vision of my left eye, and the other side, I have vision. So it's kind of like that double walk on that fine line of sight yeah. and no sight. <laughs> Tim Morden calls himself the professional encourager, and he absolutely brought his unique brand of encouragement to us on the podcast earlier this year. Tim showed us how the practice of journaling has the power to help us make sense of the challenging experiences that we face in life. Once we got the diagnosis, it was way, way, way too too late in the game to make some of the interventions that we could have done earlier, had we known. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it took us 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and one of the reasons it took us so long is because people who go through what the challenges that we go through raising adoptive kids with adoption trauma, mm-hmm. they're shamed into silence. They're shamed into the shadows because mm-hmm. as I've, I mentioned earlier, you get told by other people that you don't know what you're doing as far as a parent. You're, mm-hmm. you're too strict, too, too lenient, whatever. And so you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And when people aren't talking about it, uh, other people can't be benefited from knowing that they aren't alone. And so when we did find out and we found out there was a place, we, we had him sent to this place. And these people, these therapists that deal with this adoption trauma, um, here's how it unfolded for us, because at first we couldn't visit, uh, mm-hmm. but he, because he's, he had to stay there. Um, I'll never forget the day we dropped him off. Uh, my wife and I walked into a room after they had taken him aside because he didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. They took him aside and he was in a, a small room and I walked in and they say, okay, you need to go in there and say goodbye. And so uh, I put my hand on his shoulder and he wouldn't look at me. And I said, I said, uh, mom and I love you. Um, we're going home but you aren't coming with us. And so it was a few weeks before we actually saw him again. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of anger in his eyes, not mm-hmm. anger at us, but anger that he couldn't express in words because he didn't understand it. Yeah. And so over, over time, as we would visit, we would start to see in his eyes, especially in his eyes, we could start to see that there was a light coming on Mm -hmm. and he was not as angry as he was what's before. And so I was talking to his therapist and I said, what is going on? Because his, his eyes are starting to smile. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, he's starting to like himself. And I said, well, how is that possible? I mean, he hasn't been, he's been away from us for a few weeks, but he's starting to like himself. And she said, well, he's journaling. And I said, I said, he's journaling. I mean, this is the boy who would cry when he had to do his, any kind of penmanship things in school. Yeah. Yeah. He just hated it, (laughs) but he was required. And all, all of the, they call them the clients that, that go to this place. They were all required to journal. And I said, okay, I, I'm at a loss because I don't understand how this can help. And she said, well, let me tell you, let me explain it to you this way. She said, she said, you could think a feeling, you can speak a feeling, but if you want to touch a feeling, you need to write. And so he was using the power in, in his case of pen to paper where he was putting down thoughts, feelings, emotions that were things he was thinking about, he put them on paper and that was helping him to release those feelings inside of him because they were, and he didn't know how to verbalize them. So he was just, he was just writing. Yeah. And through prompts they gave him, he was starting to peel back the onion of all of the layers of resentment, the feelings of inadequacy that he didn't know he had until he mm-hmm. started to go through this process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one of the 
the really powerful things you, you said was that you're powerful, but yet kind of quite upsetting because, you know, I still see, I, I still see that today with, with lots of parents who, who have children with, with additional needs is that they, they are shamed into silence, mm-hmm. you know, don't want to talk about it because of what society says, you know, or, or people in society will say about, you know, why your child behaves like, why does your child behave like that? Why can't they behave properly? Why can't they do this? Why can't they do that? Like all the other kids, you know, like all the other kids don't have issues themselves. (laughs) Right. It's just that, it's just that, you know, those of us children with additional needs or those of us who have additional needs, we we just let everybody know about it. (laughs) But the other kids have issues too. But that whole being shamed into silence is, and then, the way in which your son was taught to journal, I suppose was his safe space to, to get rid of that shame and start to verbalize in written form what he was feeling, how he was thinking about himself, about, every, about everything. Mm-hmm. And that was his way of starting to come to terms with what was going on and he could start to see a way forward. And in in the same way, you you know, as you visited him, you started to you started to see that as well. So you saw that you saw that that was working for your son. So did you think, oh, well, maybe we should try this as parents as well? Did you think did you think that actually that post that practice could transfer to for you as well to help because you would you have to you had to process what was going on. Nobody wants to send their child away somewhere you know where they're not there and having to go and visit them but we know that that's a reality so is that something that you then start started to adopt to do as well or or not well we were encouraged by the therapist to journal as a family Mm -hmm. and that's a tough sell Mm. that is a tough sell because um first of all my original idea of journaling, if you will, and I'll just be totally upfront. I thought it was like, like a high school girl with her diary, you know, that, that's what I thought journaling lock, was with the lock on it, with the little lock. Yeah, in the kitchen. Exactly. You know, that's <laughs> I what know. I thought it was. Yeah. But as I did more investigation into it, I realized that some of the, what we would say the, the greatest thought leaders in the world were journalers mm-hmm. and, I just said, okay, there's some, well, that's one thing I, but I had personal observation that this stuff works and I thought, okay, this is legitimate. Mm -hmm. I don't understand all the science behind it, but I understand that it does work. I know it works. And so I've, I wanted to be able to speak to it with more authority other than just saying, okay, I saw my son do it. And so I'm trying with, as the father in this family to, to show that this works. And so I've been doing it myself and I've, I've been participating in a challenge. And part of this challenge that I made for myself was to journal every day. Mm -hmm. And it's just been amazing to me, the things I've discovered. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have my journal in front of me and I have a list of 
in most 20 something things I've discovered about journaling for myself that have just amazed me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it it goes everywhere from clearing mental clutter. You know, if Mm -hmm. I, if I feel overwhelmed or whatever, I can go to my journal and I can just unleash it, just put it down, Mm -hmm. get it out of my head. Or it helps me to unlock mental blocks, if you will. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm stuck on something, then I can journal about it. Or mm-hmm. if I want to come solve a problem, I can do what I call set the intention. I, I ask myself a question before I go to bed and I let my brain work on it overnight. Yeah. And it works. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, this, the kind of stuff he was going through, the stuff he was doing, you can start to um, put those raw emotions onto paper. And I wish I had the um, Anne Frank quote. Uh, well, I, it, I'm going to paraphrase it. She said, um, paper is more patient than people shows more patience than people because you know you can put it down on paper and Mm -hmm. it's not going to dismiss you um it's just a way to to get these things out of you and touch those feelings in a way that it almost defies comprehension but i know from my own personal observation and now personal use that it does work and if you want to if you want to start feeling better about yourself and stop feeling frustrated over things, this is a, one of the best ways to, to administer self-help to yourself that mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you, you can control this mm-hmm. and it doesn't take anything fancy to do it. Yeah. You know, pen and paper will do it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we were talking, you know, with, with imp- uh, children with impairment, mm-hmm their their senses the other senses that they have are there's a heightened awareness yeah and so tactile uh type of things you know feeling and then Mm -hmm. maybe speaking what they're feeling you know as they feel things i don't know that how that would necessarily work but there would be a way to extract that's the same feelings that are inside I think with our journaling. In the show notes, you can find the links to the full episodes that have been featured in today's episode. And if you or someone you know is visually impaired and would like more support, you can use the links to request a free discovery call where we can have a chat about how I might be able to help you further through an individual coaching package. Thanks so much for continuing to listen and support the podcast. If you haven't done so already, please leave a review as this helps others find the show more easily and share the podcast with someone you know who would benefit from this content. I'll be back tomorrow with the next episode. Until then, remember that your status as a VIP means more than simply being known as a visually impaired person. You are a very important person who holds a very important place in the world and you have a very important purpose to fulfill.